If you want to be um, turning to where we're going to be camping, spending most of our time this morning, be turning to the book of Acts chapter 12. Well, last week I was talking about uh, standing firm on shaky ground, and I kind of ended the message last week uh, talking about the need for us to know um, our armor and our weaponry, to be very familiar with that which God has given us uh, to, to uh, be a part of the end times ministry, a part of ministry of the church. And we ended up in Ephesians chapter 6 talking about our armor. And then we, we talked about the two, the two things that, it, that really that, it, that we have, two weapons at our disposal. One is the sword of the spirit or the, the word of God, it says. And then the other we talked about was prayer. And he tells us to pray always with, with all prayer and understanding. And as we talked about this importance of prayer, and we talked about how vital this communication with the commander-in-chief so that, that we're sensitive, we, we hear his leading, we know how he says to, to, when he says move, we move. And how also on the, on the flip side of that is we can call in firepower when the, when the, the times are desperate and the situation demands it, that, that we have that, you know, that nuclear arsenal that Jim Buckman talked about, the prayer of calling in those, the, the Lord with that. I want to continue on just a little bit this morning for just a, a little while, short while, about prayer. And I want to talk about when God's people pray. What happens when God's people pray? Because we've been, we've been invited to come into his presence in Hebrews chapter 4 in verse 16. We have this tremendous invitation uh, from the Lord to come into his presence with this, with this awesome promise of, of all that's going to happen when we come into his presence. In Hebrews 4, Hebrews 4, 16 says, Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy. And now listen to this, look at this. And find grace to help in the time of need. Grace to help. In the time of need. Indeed, in, in Jeremiah chapter 33, a verse that probably a lot of you are familiar with, in Jeremiah chapter 33, he's, he tells us to, to call upon the Lord. Call upon the Lord. And, and we have this promise. He said, call on me and I will answer. And he said, I will show you great and mighty things. You had no concept of. You had no ideal of. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and verse 15, we're encouraged to pray. And we're encouraged to pray according to his will. And it says there in 1 John that if we pray according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us as we pray according to his will, we know that he's going to respond and answer those prayers. So as we talk about prayer, I am, I am so thankful that the men and women who were part of, of organizing the house of prayer a little over 50 years ago listened to the voice of God. I'm glad they called it a house of prayer. Uh, maybe it was a maybe it's a scripture from Isaiah that says that my house shall be called a house of prayer for all peoples. They had in mind that from from this small country church, that the prayers of the people who met here would go around the world and be a part of God building His kingdom around the world. And I'm glad they stayed true to that to that to that calling. And and every day, uh, every day, uh, uh, several times a day. Those of you that are on the prayer chain. Uh, someone this week said, boy, said, uh, what a day this particular day was. Said, we have, we have been just, just opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to pray. And uh, if you're not a part of that uh, prayer chain, would like to be, please contact the church office and we'll get you on that. But what happens, there's a, there's a need. And someone, someone calls in and, and immediately the call goes out. And, and you begin to pray. 
Ava, Ava kind of has got this thing down on this technology with, the, with, her, with her cell phone. She has this group texting thing, okay? So Ann, with Ann or with Josh, whatever, Ava, uh, call went out this past week. Ann, I need the prayer warriors. I need you to pray. Ann's at, take Ann to the ER. She's, she's needing blood, blah, blah, blah. And then, then it doesn't matter whether it's what time of day or if it's, a, if it's 1 o'clock at night. Then I'll start hearing my phone go off from this group text. And, and it's something like this, praying. I'm in prayer. We're praying now. And, it's, and, and, and this, this is what a tremendous privilege. What a tremendous opportunity. What, what a tremendous, powerful weapon at the disposal of God's people. Prayer. And I was thinking about this, this message of, uh, of how God responds in prayer when his people pray. And as I thought about it, what the first first almost the first thought that came to my mind was this incident in Acts chapter 12. So you should be there with me now. In, in Acts chapter 12. And I want to just kind of walk through this. It says, now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to, to persecute the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And because he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. And it was about the, the Passover time. These were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had a, apprehended him or arrested Peter, he put him in prison and he delivered him to four quadrinians of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. And I want you, I want to look at this. I want to look at, first of all, at the, the, what kind of times it was. These were, uh, it was a time of persecution for the church. Herod had just, uh, had just uh, uh, killed James, one of the, the leaders in the church there. He had just killed him. And the, 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 not only had, uh, after, after the Jewish leaders had, had requested the crucifixion of, of Jesus, and, uh, and Pilate had delivered Jesus, and the Roman authorities saw how that pleased the Jews. Now Herod is going after the church, the followers of Christ. And he sees that that pleases the Jews very well. I think there's a, a lot of reasons of why the world and still even the world today uh, either stands by in silent or is secretly pleased when Christians are attacked. Because the world doesn't like the message of Jesus Christ. And he hates, the world hates the messengers. You see, the world doesn't like to be reminded of the standard that God has. That, that, that there is a creator God that is holy that we all are going to have to stand before and give an account to one day. That's very disconcerting to those people who want to do what they want to do, live the way they want to live, and just say that's all they are to it. That's very disconcerting to the people that you talk about grace, you talk about Jesus Christ dying for the sins of the world. It's, it's almost unfathomable for the people who have been taught all their lives that you have to work, you have to do, you have to sacrifice, you have to let yourself be martyred if you want to, to attain something in eternity that's worthwhile having. And so the Jews were, it delighted them. Well, when Herod being a, a savvy political leader that he was, when he saw that this pleased the Jews, it was very advantageous to Herod politically to do more of it. So he then began to, uh, he, he arrested Peter. He, he killed James, and now he's going after Peter, another leader in the church. There was, um, it was days of uh, persecution. There were also, there was an adversary. There were attacks on the Christians, 
and there was an adversary. Herod and the Jews were instruments that Satan used, that the devil used, just as Satan tried to destroy. You remember when Jesus was, was born in Bethlehem and the wise men came to, uh, to, to, to there looking for, trying to find this where this baby was born, this king of the Jews. And remember Herod wanting to destroy baby Jesus said, well, when you find him, you come and tell me where he, where he was born. I'll go worship him too, all the time planning to kill him. And remember how when the word came back that uh, the wise man and the man told Herod, why well, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And Herod said, okay, I'm going to take care of this. I'm going to, as Barney Fife would say, I'm going to nip it in the bud. And so what Herod did is that he ordered the killing of all babies from two years old and under. He thought, I can't take any chance with this. I might miss him. So we're just going to kill them all. All of them. He tried to kill Jesus, but he couldn't before Jesus had completed the plan of salvation. And just as Satan tried to destroy the infant Jesus, he also now is trying to stop and destroy the infant church before the church can complete the command that Christ left them with of taking the gospel into all the world. But again... He's finding out that when you run up against God's people, sometimes there's more opposition than you counted on. So let's look. It was a time of persecution. It was a time of tact. It was a time that there was an adversary that, that was there. And one of, the, one of the, the, the methods that Satan uses, that he used then and that he's using today on his attacks of the church today, we see him using, trying to use intimidation. We see him trying to use fear. And, uh, and spread fear. We see him trying to use division. Well, if I can't, if I can't uh, just wipe them out, I'll, I'll create a division so that they're not unified and, they're, and they're, they're, they're in shambles. Satan has a lot of tricks in his bag of deceitfulness and, and uh, lies that he uses. And the early church learned to lean on the power of prayer. Look, look at this. It says in verse 5, it says, Peter therefore was kept in prison. Now that's, that's kind of a facial statement. It's kind of ironic. He was kept in prison. But the next word is what's critical. But, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church to God for Peter. It was a time of persecution, but it was a time of prayer. The situation looks desperate. James has been killed, but... Peter is now arrested. He's in prison on death row awaiting uh, for, the, uh, for the feast to be over and he'll be killed. But the early church in its infancy is now facing some of the most harsh and severe persecution that they've ever seen. But, but the church begins to pray. And I want to tell you, when the church of God begins to pray, when the foundations of heaven begin to shake with the power of God, hell trembles. Hell trembles and fears. The weakest saint on their knees before God. Let's look at this prayer. It was a, it was a fervent prayer. Verse 5 says, they prayed without ceasing. Without ceasing. Now, James chapter 5, verse 16 and encouraging us to pray one for another uh, about our sickness. It also says this. It says, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another so that you can be healed. I, I could, I, I, there's so much to say. I don't want to, don't want to go there, but, but notice this. 
as we get real with one another, confessing your faults, except, listen, except for the grace of God, there's not a person in this house or in 10 miles radius or in a hundred mile, there's not a person except for the grace of God that has any chance of getting into the kingdom of heaven. It's all by grace. It's not of our righteousness. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith. That's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God, okay? So there's something when we confess our faults and we say, hey, you know what? We're just real with each other. It's it's, it's because God's graced us. We can be grace givers. And pray one for another. It's hard. Listen, I know how that works. I've told you over the years, I, I used to try to pray conviction on Barbie, We'd have, we'd have, we'd have a, a, a disagreement, not an argument, not an argument. We've never argued in 45 years. <laughs> I had a cousin, Travis's daddy, Jasper Kelly, Gary's uncle, Jasper and Mary, and they could, Kelly's, Kelly's have never been noted for being quiet. Gary was, is kind of quiet, but they were kind of loud. Jasper and Mary were loud, had neighbors close by. Everybody knew the argument. One day we were out probably in a hayfield, and Jasper said something. He said, oh, boys, he said, Mary and me have never had an argument. We knew he was lying. And he said, but sometimes we've had discussions that neighbors could hear us a mile away, a mile away about. So we, Barbara and I had have some of them discussions, and I knew that she was wrong, obviously, because I had to be right. And I'd pray, you know, I'd pray, pray conviction. Get her, God, straighten her out. If you'll just straighten her out, we'll serve you together. You know, you know bring her along, God. I'm so much further than her. Boy, that boy, that. God, I'm, I'm so glad he just looks and shook his head at me and says, one day, one day, one day, Jerry, I'll, you'll understand. You know, you'll understand. As we pray, it, it opens the, my heart to the Holy Spirit saying, it wasn't her at all, Helton, it was you. Now, it, you know, and then after he gets me to that place where I'm repentant, where I first of all realize it's my sin, it's my stubbornness, it's my pride, you know. And then when I can do that and say, God, I'm so sorry. And then he deals with me and he says, okay, now I've forgiven you, but you need to go ask her forgiveness. Let this be between you and me, Jesus. <laughs> between you and me. If I go apologize, she'll think I'm saying she was right. And if she thinks I'm saying she was right, Lord, I'm never going, Lord, I'm in this for the long haul. It could be rough. Confess your faults. One Pray one for another. You, you realize that maybe one of the hindrances to our prayers is because we aren't being real with each other and we aren't loving on each other and we aren't praying for each other like shit. Don't want to go there. That's not my message. The message is this, that the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person avails much. Now, there's a lot to be said about this, these two words there to describe it. Effectual, fervent. That means a passionate, um, the, the theme of the, of the camps this year uh, is going the distance. Going the distance. It's not, it's, it's not stopping. You know, it's not stopping at the boundaries. And this prayer that goes the distance, that doesn't, that doesn't just pray and quit. This prayer that doesn't just pray, say, sick him. This sick him. I call it my sick him prayers on God. Sick him. Sicker, God. Sicker. You know, I've tried to seek him on some. I, I've tried to seek him on other people too. God, that don't work, guys. I, you know, because God, brother, I go to him and he'd rather talk to me, me about me. Do you ever do you that way? No, no, you just haven't got there. Maybe, you know, I'm, I'm telling you. This is me. All right. But the effectual fervent prayer, it was, and it was, this is what it was. It was a, it was a fervent prayer. It's a prayer that, that went beyond the boundaries. It's a prayer that moved heaven. It was a fervent prayer, but it's also a faithful prayer. The prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God. 
Now, Hebrews eleven six tells us that when we come to him, it says, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. For when we come to God, we must believe that, that he is, that he's God. And that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. They, we got to pray believing. Matthew 21, 22 puts it like this. says, in all things whatsoever you shall ask in prayer, believing, you'll receive them. It was a fervent prayer. It was a faithful prayer. And it was a focused prayer. And again, I, I, I love it. And, and there's all kinds of prayers. And, and we pray for missionaries. We pray for ministries. We pray for churches. And sometimes, sometimes our prayers need to be zeroed in. There's, there are those t- t- kinds of prayers. I call them just, just focused. And here they had, they had sighted the scope in. And it says, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God. Look at this now. Last two words. For Peter, for him. They were focused. They were focused. Now, I am convinced that they prayed for James. I don't know. We're not told anything about it. We're just told that James, that Herod called James and, and he was martyred. He was killed. But God has a different plan for Peter's life. And the church and prayer is part of that. They're praying for Peter. It was a focused prayer. Very, very focused. It was a fervent prayer. It was a faithful prayer. It was a time of persecution. It was a time of prayer. But I want to show you, I want, to talk, I want us to look at, and the focus is going to be what happens when God's people praise. It's a time of power. Look at this. And when Herod, verse 6, when Herod would have brought Peter forth the next morning to, to kill him, the same night, Peter was up all night worried about what was going to happen in the next morning. That's not what that says, is it? The same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with chains and the keepers before the door kept the prison. That's just kind of giving us an idea. It's like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, a chain on each arm, probably a chain on each leg. They're inside this. He's got a soldier chained to him. He's got other soldiers there that are on guard that are taking the shifts every four hours or whatever. And you've got the door. You've got one at the door and it's locked and they're behind the locked doors in chains. I mean, this was the world's most dangerous man, obviously. And they've got him, and they're not going to let him get away. The only problem is, they're no match when the church prays. Here they are. A lot could be said about Peter. A lot could be said about this trusting. Here, here, here's Peter. I, I, you know, Peter's, Peter knows what's going on. He knows. Peter, I, I imagine Peter saying, Lord, I denied you twice. I'll never do it again. You've forgiven me. Lord, I've seen what you're doing now. I've seen what you're up to. And in the morning, I'm going to get to see you face to face. I'm coming to you, Jesus, but I'm not going to deny you. Help me stand strong. So when I'm faced with recanting my faith or, 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 and living or staying true to my faith and dying, Lord, help me, help me to, to bring glory to you. He's ready. And he just sleeps. He's sleeping. That's so cool. I love that. I just love that. It says, and behold, verse 7 says, and behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. Boy, every one of these phrases almost have a message. And the, and the angel smote Peter on the side. Where's Nevin? He's gone. I touched his ribs this morning. He's like, he's like putting a worm on a hot sidewalk when you touch Nevin Spiva in the ribs. He goes to squirming like this. And I said, man, I got a message for you this morning about the angel poking him in the ribs. All right, I don't know if he poked him, or, but he nudged him. The angel uh, wakes Peter up and he says, get up, arise quickly. And the chains fell off his hands, off of Peter's hands. 
And the angel said to him, get you, get you, get your robe on, put your sandals on. Look at this verse eight, put your sandals on. And he did. And then the angel said, throw your robe around you and follow me. Now, Look at what happened. This is going on, and Peter thinks he's having a dream. He says, and he went out, and he followed him, and he wished not. That means he didn't know that it was true, which was done by the angel. But verse 9, Peter thought he was seeing a vision. Peter thought he's dreaming. Peter's there. He's going to sleep. Lord, in the morning, see you face to face tomorrow. God, you got a plan. This is awesome. That's okay. And he's snoring, and the guards are saying, how's he sleeping? Don't you know what we're going to do with him tomorrow? Yeah, but have you heard him praying? You heard him talking? You heard him singing? Can't buy. I wonder what we're going to do with him. These guards are there, and all of a sudden, I don't know what happens to the guards, but all of a sudden, the angel's there, and Peter thinks he's dreaming this. Peter's probably thinking, oh, man, this is so cool. Look at this. God, what a dream. What a dream. And then, verse 10 says, when they were past the first watch and the second ward, they came to the iron gate that leads to the city, which opened to them of its own accord. Now, that kind of reminds me of these sliding doors at Walmart. You, you kind of walk up them things, you know? I think that's cool. I need one of them in my houses. Just so when they see me coming, just open the door. Barbie does that and he says, hey, honey. No, I'm just messing with you. I love you, darling. Why? So I'm, God, I need to stay away from that. We got lunch coming in a little while. I'm trying hard. I want you to notice something. I, I, I don't understand this, but I know it's significant. That the angel, what the angel did do and what the angel didn't do. The angel wakes Peter up. Now, and this angel, they walk through, they, the, the chains fall off. I imagine, I don't know how, I don't know how the angel do, did that. I don't, the angel said, you know, chains fall off. I don't, I don't know. Chains fall off. They walk through the, 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 out of the prison. I don't know if, I don't know if they walk through the iron bar, bars or what. Read the story of the heavenly man. Heavenly man is one of the best missionary books I've ever read in my life. I'd recommend it without reservation to anyone. The library has a couple, three copies of it. Same thing happened to a, to a pastor in China. He was arrested. He was in a, in a prison. And you know what? These, these Christians, a lot of these Christians in other places around the world, they haven't been sophisticated like we have. And they don't know any better than just take God's word for what it says. And so he's in prison. And the angel wakes him up and says, and just, he walks out of the prison. He walks by, he tells him walking by the 50 caliber machine guns and the guards are there and they don't, just don't see him. He just walks right on out. And God gets, takes him out and says, now go show yourself to the brethren. Same thing happened. Well, here the, 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 the angel is doing all that. But then the angel says to Peter, now get your coat on and put your shoes on. Now, I'm reading this and I'm thinking, oh, come on now. If you can take the chains off the, the, the arms of the guards and off of Peter's arms, you could have put his sandals on the same thing. You know, Peter laying there asleep and all of a sudden sandals on. Whew. Let's go, big boy. I, you know? But there are some things that God asks us to do that we can do and expects us to do. I don't know, but he did. So he says, Peter, get up. I don't you know the first thing that happens when, God's, when people prayed is that the prison doors were opened. He is talking in Acts 12 about a physical prison, a physical prison. Now, there are Christians today that's in, they're in prisons. It's, it's Yvonne Prison. We're talking about pastors at Pastor Saeed, whatever. I've, filled, I've signed the, the uh, petitions, and you've signed the petitions, and we need to keep doing that. I, I, you keep doing it, and I, I, I just keep, I, I wouldn't, you know, I would be astonished and amazed, but it'd be so cool. It's just all of a sudden, if he just shows up somewhere, you know, and they said, man, there's this change, and there he is, and we had him, but where is he? 
But that's God's thing. It's in God's, God's can do that. But God, the prison doors are no obstacle to God. But let me tell you, we're talking about a physical prison doors here. But let me, let me, you remember, I think it's in Mark. You remember the man that had the, that was sick of palsy, had, couldn't walk, and they carried him, his, his buddies carried him on a bed, took a roof off, and they let him down. Remember that? Let him down to Jesus' feet in this house that was crowded. Remember the story? And Jesus looks down at the guys, he looks up at their faith, and, and he says, you're, you know, you're, man, your, your faith is made, your sins are forgiven you. Remember that? And the, and the Jews around there, and the people were there, thought, well, who is he to forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. Dad Jim him. They didn't say Dad Jim. Said, how, how dare he? I, I don't know what they said, but it's something to the fat effect. Hey, only God can do that. And Jesus, Scripture says, and Jesus, knowing in their hearts what they were thinking, said to them, hey, what's easier to say to him, your sins are forgiven, or to say to him, take up your bed and walk? But so that you may know that I have the power to forgive sins, hey, buddy, get up and get that cot and go home. He did it. So when they saw the, in the physical what God, what they couldn't see in the spiritual, that they would have faith in the spiritual because they could see him work in the physical and they know that he's God of both. And that's what happens in this prison deal. And I want to tell you, it doesn't have to be a prison of bars physically. There, there may be, you may be here this morning and you may be in a prison. Maybe it's a prison that you didn't put yourself there. Maybe it's a prison where, where other people have put you there and placed you there. It's unfairly, but you feel so helpless. You feel there is nothing you can do. And they're, they're keeping you in that prison. When God's people pray, the prison doors open. Maybe it's a prison of, of, that you have something to do with. Maybe it's a prison of your own making. There are people in bondage today, in prisons today, because of unforgiveness. Somebody hurt somebody in their family. Years ago, maybe somebody hurt them, and they've and they and they and and, and they've and they've carried that, and they've and they've it, it's eaten them up, and they're in bondage to that. Maybe you're in a prison today because of your anger with God. Hey, something happened in your family. Something terrible happened in your family years ago, and it was not fair. It was not right. It happened. And all these years, you've blamed God. And you said, why did you let that happen to our family? Why? Nobody, it didn't happen to other people's family. It happened to ours. And we were trying to do the right thing. And you're still angry with God because of something that happened that you don't understand every bit about. But you're in a prison because you've been angry with God all these years. Be here this morning and be in a prison, self-made prison of addictions. All kinds of addictions out there today. All of them aren't illegal by the law standards. It's easy for us to look at those that break the law and say, yeah, 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 yeah. You know what? Dad, Jim, you're getting what you deserve. There's a lot of addictions. They're cute and nobody knows about. But we're in bondage to them. I want to tell you, when God's people pray, first thing that happened, I got to go on. First thing that happened is the prison doors opened. But the next thing that happened is so cool at this. This is so cool. You get excited about it. Is that the captives now can walk in the freedom that God has given to them. Woo! Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? I get so excited about it. Look at this. It says he walked this. The door, the gates open. And here Peter and, the, and uh, this angel go through this. And it says... Uh, Verse 10, it says, and, and this, this gate opened to them, and they went out, and they passed on through one street, and the angel left Peter. And then when the angel left him, Peter 
was come to himself, verse 11. And he said, now I know of a surety that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from the expectation of all the Jews. What Peter says, gosh, gosh, pinch me, this ain't no dream. This is a real deal. I'm, I'm, I'm here in the middle of town. The prison, we just walk out of that thing. He, he is walking in the freedom that Christ has set him free in. And let me tell you this. He whom the Son has set free is what? Free, free indeed. And how dare some self-righteous, stiff-necked, religious person try to put in bondage that man or that woman or that boy or that girl that God has set free. You let them walk in the freedom God's given them. And you rejoice with them. So here Peter was, and he's out there in the middle of the street. The second thing, he lets captives walk in the freedom he's, he's sent them with. Notice what happened. This is so cool. This is so cool. I love this stuff. And he said, verse 12 says, and we can consider this thing. He came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. They probably had been probably gathered at this place as a place that Peter was familiar with. And he goes there. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a damsel came to, to hearken named Rhoda. Peter's out there, church of praying. Peter's out there. God's already moving. Prison, prison door's been opened. He's walking free. And Peter's knocking. Rhoda goes to, to see who it is. And when she knew Peter's voice, evidently she didn't even see him. She hears him. Who is it? They thought the Jews could be coming after them. There's the early church. Hey, Herod's going Herod's, Herod's to wipe him out. Who is it? It's Peter. Who is this? Who's this really? It's Peter. Rhoda recognized his voice. And so when she knew it was his voice, verse 14, she forgot to open the door. She was so tickled. That's what it says. Instead, she ran into the house and she messed up the prayer service. She stopped the praying. And she told him that Peter was standing outside the gate. Now, I love the next thing that happened. I love it. I love it. It says, and when they said unto her, then, they, then the, the, the people who had been praying, they said, praise God, we knew he was going to do it. Open that door and let that man in. <laughs> I ain't what they said at all. And they said to her, you're crazy. <laughs> you're crazy. But she was consistently affirming that it was just like they said. And then they got spiritual. Well, it's his angel. Don't you love that? We prayed and God has responded. He sent his angel to let us know that Peter's going to be with him. It's all right. And then they kept hearing this knocking. <laughs> listen, I, listen I, I, I am not down. We need to pray believing. God's word says it. There, there are times I love the prayer in Mark. I don't even know. I didn't get to that this morning. First service didn't need it, but you do. Uh, Mark chapter nine, verse twenty-three and twenty-four. One of the one of the one of the bestest confessions of faith I've ever seen in my life. Mark nine. Remember the story. This is a man whose, whose son he's, he's brought his son to, to the disciples to heal, and and uh, he's, his son is, is tormented with demons and everything. And they didn't able to heal him. And Jesus looked at the man and he said, all things are possible to them that, uh, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. That's what Jesus said to him. Okay? And I, we, we sing this song, all things are possible. I love that. Only believe. Now look at this father's response. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. 
I love that because that's where Jerry Helton lives a lot of the time. I believe, I know that God is sovereign. I know that God can do anything. Listen, I know that. I know that as Barbie and I prayed for, for, for Zach and prayed for our kids, but we prayed for Zach for years. And, it's, and, and when God got the stiffness and the, and the junk out of my life and was working on it, he's still working on it. But when I could share and y'all began to pray, I knew and God said to me, I've got this. I've got him. I'm hearing it. I've got him. I know God can do everything, but sometimes he just amazes me when he does it. So on Wednesday night, December the 10th, after prayer meeting, we get home and I got this message on my, on my phone, still got it on there. And it's Jim Buckman and he said, well, praise God, just prayed with your son in the jail cell. We've had, we've had glory. Listen, they've been praying for Peter. They know God can do everything, but God shows up. Peter's there. Look at what happens. I love this. Look at what happens. It says they hear his voice. They hear his voice. And then they go to the door. And they, and they said, Peter's knocking. And they open the door. And when they saw him, verse 16, notice what it says. I'm back to Acts 12, verse 16. It says, and they were what? Astonished. I know God can. God can do anything. I know that. He healed my daddy of an incurable kidney disease. No cure. No cure. The doctors, no cure. There's nothing we can do, Clarence. You're going to die with this disease. God had other plans. It was on Wednesday night. There were less than 20 people at prayer meeting. Larry's mother, Dorothy Helton, said, Clarence, I mean, daddy didn't just, daddy, daddy, I was there. I was just a kid, but daddy didn't suck it up and said, you know, I've got this great faith. Dorothy said, Clarence, I just think we're to pray for you tonight. All right. Nothing man could do. We'd done everything we could do. Daddy was taking, was taking every bit of the money daddy made, driving a truck just to, just to pay for the medicine. And it wasn't doing any good. Came down in the old sanctuary and we prayed. Nothing big happened that we saw. But in the heavenlies, there was shaking going on. In the heavenlies, God said, kidneys, you're going to be well. The next day, Thursday, the next day, dad goes back into the doctor's office with a urine specimen. And the doctor says, Mr. Helton, you think you could squeeze out another drop or two? I'm, I need another specimen. Dad said, well, sure. He goes back in with some more urine. Doctor shaking his head said, Mr. Helton, you want to tell me what happened? <laughs> That's God. That's God. You know what he said? He said, all I know is last night at prayer meeting, we prayed. Amen. Folks, when God's church begins to pray, there is an unleashing of power that the world has no concept and that the church many times has no concept of what can happen. Prison doors are opened. The captives walk free. The third thing is the church is astonished. I love that. It's astonished. It's astonishing what God can do. But it is going to be more astonishing what he's desiring and wanting to do. What he did last week with 60 kids saving, getting saved. And Jeff talked about, hey, those were followed up with, with, the, with the campers. It was one-on-one, man. But that's just the beginning of what he wants to do in the times in which we're living in. We hear about it, we read about it, but it's real. It's a reality. And the church is astonished. I've got to close with this. I could get plum excited about this stuff. This is so, this is so good. And if I told you what kind of meal Barbie's got there, I've, we've got some good physical food waiting on us at home. But this stuff, it just don't get any better. Soup, beans, and chocolate cake can't compare with this stuff. This is good. Now, look, look at what happened. As the church prayed, prison doors are open, captives are walking in the freedom, the church is astonished. And, and now what happens is Herod, in verse 19, verse 18, now as, as soon as it was his day and there was no small stir among the soldiers, I mean, all of a sudden they're waking up and the chains are there. 
I don't even believe they were unshackled. I believe they were laying there. The, uh, the, the guards are there. Did you come through the guard? No, this gate's been shut all night. Been here all night. And verse 19, when Herod had sought for him and found him not, he examined, excuse me, the keepers and commanded that they should be put to death. Hey, if you let a prisoner escape, Paul talked about this this week out at the camp. I don't know if you were there or not and heard that, but Paul talked about that when he was in prison, that was a big deal if it got, if it got free. And so here they, 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 he commanded them be, you know, to, to be put to death. And then it says uh, that Herod goes down and he's speaking one day. It says, and upon a set day, verse 21, Herod arrayed in royal apparel, set upon his throne and made an oration unto them. He must have been a political dynamite. I mean, he must have been so slick and so suave and all this stuff. And because with people, when the people heard his speech, they shouted with a voice, it's the voice of a God and not of man. There is something, I believe, where God says, I am a jealous God. And God will not share his glory. I believe one of the reasons that, 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 that some ministries have been shaken and brought down is because man started receiving the glory that only God was due. He's, it's his name. It's his name. If there's anything good at the camp, Jeff and Sarah and the prayer people, we pray, we do everything, we plan, we prepare. But if there's anything eternal happens, it's because God done it. God done it. And he's done it in your life and my life. So they said it's the voice of a God. Well, what happened immediately, the angel of the Lord smote him. I wonder if it's the same angel. He's doing some smiting here, poking, poking Peter in the ribs. He smote him. And because he didn't give God the glory, and he was eating of worms and he died. But look at verse 24, which I'm ending with here. And the word of God grew and multiplied. Now look at this. When this chapter starts, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a awesome. I, I text Craig my, my scriptures and, and Craig texts back and he said, you want the whole chapter of Acts 12? I said, yeah. So I got here first service and he said, listen, I just downloaded the whole book of Acts, so just have at it. <laughs> when Acts chapter 12 opens, James is dead Peter's in prison, and Herod is at the height of his political powers. When chapter 12 ends, Herod is dead, Peter's free, and the word word of God is is multiplying and going forth in power and glory. Now, you know what made the difference? You know what happened? The only thing that made the difference. What? Prayer. The church prayed. When God's people prayed, prayed, God moved. Listen, the early church learned quickly that if they were going to survive and thrive, it was because they were going to depend upon power of prayer. In the days in which we live, it's not been any difference. It's always the same thing. The days in which we live, God can open prison doors. He can set the captives free. He can astonish the church and the word of God can go forth in great power and glory when his people pray. That's it. I'm like, I'm like Forrest Gump. That's all I got to say about that. That is just awesome, awesome, awesome. Let's pray. Father, your word is, is so right now. It's, it's so in the now. It's, so, it's, always, it's always eternal. It's right now in where we live. We find ourselves in times of persecution as the early church did, and Christians are in prison. Christians are giving their lives 
Brothers and sisters are being martyred. They're being persecuted. Their attacks are severe. The attackers and their accusers are being used of the enemy. It's a time of persecution. But Lord, it's also a time of prayer. And I pray today, Lord, as we understand, as we see what's happening. Father, as the calls come out to pray for our nation, as the call come out to pray for the persecuted church, as the calls come out to pray for those prodigal daughters and sons and husbands and wives, as the call comes out to pray for this or to pray for that, that, Lord, as we just begin to get a, a smattering of the potential of this nuclear arsenal of prayer and the power of prayer, Lord, that the church would be amazed, that the prison doors would be opened, and, Lord, that we would walk in the freedoms that you've given us in your forgiveness and that your word would go forth in power as your kingdom is built. Rise, we sit in the moments before we leave. What's God's Holy Spirit said to you? Maybe this morning it's just been one of the things where he just said, I'm just affirming everything that you know and I've been trying to show you in your life that prayer is where it's at, man. That's what's taking place. And you just say, thank you, Lord. You're so awesome. Maybe it's, maybe the Holy Spirit has spoken to you and said, yeah. Boys, really zeroed in on some things. Maybe, maybe this, you've been in prison way too long. And while it may not be a prison, with a man-made prison of bars or chains, concrete, the place you've been, you've been there way too long in God's desire and wanting to set you free. Right where you are, I want you to say, God, I, I, I've been in this prison. There's people praying for me. I thought no one cared, but you care. And I know now that I've been wrong, that Satan has, has kept me believing a lie that nobody cares because, Lord, your people care. Your people care. God, I pray that I would just be able to follow you. You'd wake me up when we get outside these walls and these prisons. And Lord, I'll walk in that way. Father, it's my prayer this morning too. If there are those here that have never trusted you as their Lord and Savior, that today, through prayer, you say, call upon me and I will answer you. Call upon me. I'm reminded in Isaiah, Lord, when the prophet is speaking, says, come now and let's reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they should be as white as snow. Well, the best crimson, the best white. Well, Lord, that you would forgive us. And Lord, I pray right now, if there are those here that have never asked Jesus to come into their life and forgive them, I'm asking you, Lord, let your Holy Spirit speak to them right now. I don't know if you want to smite them in the side or just speak to their heart and their mind and say, hey, listen, God's created you for freedom not for bondage and I want you to walk in that freedom will you give your heart to him will you give your life to him I think of the words of the song it's challenging words they were to me this morning the life that I live do I really live it for you Lord there's so much of jury still left in there and all too often all too often that surfaces I know that's not pleasing to you Lord it's embarrassing to me but it's it's reality I struggle with that and I know that when that happens 
I've got such a long way to go. But you said that your, the song continues to say that we, we give all everything to you. We walk in that freedom. That's what I want. Lord, and I pray if there are those here this morning that's never accepted your forgiveness of their sins, your salvation, that Lord, this morning that birth process would begin the process of sanctification, the process of restoring them and redeeming them, Lord, as you create in us that new heart. So if you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus in your life, maybe right now would be the greatest time to say, God, forgive me. I've sinned. And I know you died for me. I know you love me. Please forgive me. Come into my life. Come into my life right now. If you prayed that prayer, I'd like to pray with you. And scripture encourages us that we confession is made with the mouth. We believe with our heart. If you prayed that prayer as a part of confessing him before the Lord with the heads bowed and eyes closed, I'd love for you just to raise your hand and say, I prayed that prayer. Pray for me. I ask him to come into my life and I will pray with you. Just put raise your hand up and put it right, put it right back down. Okay. Father, we give you glory. We give you honor. Because you are worthy of all that and more. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.